everyone, welcome to another episode of Librarians Assemble, your premier audio resource for all things library and comics. Today is a special episode. We are joined once again by Angel. Hello, Angel. Hello. Our, Hello. our co-host with the mostess, our hostess, our co-hostess with the mostess. <laughs> we are... Um, we're doing another book review, collection development, recommendation episode. But this time we're, we're doing it a little differently. We're taking part here in the Panels.net 2016 Read Harder Challenge. They did one last year as well. Uh, Panels, for those who don't know, is part of um, Book Riot, which is a great online resource. Panels is an equally great online resource, but dedicated to comic books and graphic novels. They also have a wonderful podcast called On Comics. So if you enjoy this podcast, then you would absolutely love the other one because they are much better than us. But they have a reading challenge. And what this is is they are challenging people to read certain types of comics and graphic novels. So there's a bunch on this list like self-published comics, um, features one or more teenage protagonists, a superhero comic whose race or gender has been swapped from the original or traditional hero, so something like Female Thor or something like that. So the particular one we're doing is read a feminist comic. So Angel and I will be discussing two different graphic novels today. Um, we will be discussing Volume 1 of Bitch Planet by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Valentine DeLandro. Yeah, Landro, that's how you pronounce it. And we'll also be talking about Batwoman Elegy. And Angel, I am not prepared. Who did Batwoman Elegy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is Greg Rucka. Is uh, the Greg Rucka, okay. Yeah, and then J.H. Williams oh, artist. That's a good team right there. I like J.H. Williams. I like that team. Okay, so before we get started, Angel, how have you been? What's going on? It's been a while since the people have heard from you. Yes. Uh, life has been good. Yeah. Life has been good. Any anything special going on? Anything new or exciting, or just whittling away time for, uh, before your little before your little uh, Avengers team is assembled. Exactly. Whittling <laughs> away the time. It's funny. The, like the most popular question I get is, "How are you feeling?" And my answer is always very pregnant. Yeah. Well. <laughs> That's the only answer you can give, and it's a stupid question to ask. Now, and it's one of those things where, like, people are like, "Oh, that means you're overdue." No, actually, people are pregnant for forty weeks, so it's at ten months, and so yeah. They lie. They lie to us in biology class. Yeah, they don't. They don't tell you that stuff when you start out. <laughs> so, what have you been up to then, besides being very pregnant? You watched anything cool recently, or read anything cool that um, we're not going to be talking about today? My husband and I have caught up on an episode and a half, almost two episodes of Daredevil. Okay. He was out of town, so we've been binge watching since he got back. Very cool. I have um, not started it yet, but I am looking forward to starting it. It's really good, and I was glad that the Punisher has appeared immediately. Okay, cool. How is he as the Punisher? Well, I, I think he's going to be pretty good. My my theory is this guy is going to be pretty good. What do you think of him so far? I, I was scared at first, honestly, because I've hated him in everything he's been in before. <laughs> <clears throat> well, did you hate him or did you hate him because his character was supposed to be hated? Like, I, hated I hated him because his character was supposed to be hated. Well, then that's good. He's doing his job. Oh, he, de he definitely does his job. Okay, good. 
But um, because that's why I thought he was gonna be good. Because like, you know, like I didn't like him as Shane either, but he, but he was such a good actor <laughs> as Shane, and he has a really good, scary, hard look to him. You know. Well, and it's funny because um, as Shane, he like took on these like weird little tics of like psychosis, which I thought was really cool. Um, like when he starts to rub his head, when he starts to freak out in Walking Dead. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Every single time they're in a weird situation, if you notice, he starts rubbing his head. It's yeah. Really bizarre. Now but. that you pointed out, yeah, I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember that now. It's been a while. Yep. I gave up on The Walking Dead this season. It got. Last season went off the rails a little for me. Yeah. But this season has gotten back on track for me. Yeah. I, I enjoy it again. Some of the characters strayed too far from their original personalities last season for yeah. me. Yeah, I don't know what happened with me. I think it, it was a combination of a couple things. I think um, the the storyline got a little too dull or predictable or whatever you want to call it it's it just it got old the yeah. it got old to me and so right before they went on their mid-season break i ended up not watching the mid-season finale mm-hmm. and i realized i didn't really care that i missed it like i made no <laughs> real effort to to check it out yeah and we had recently around the same time become uh cable cord cutters So, you know, I had a way to watch it legally. I I was a subscriber to Sling TV. So I was like, oh, I can watch it. I'll watch it. And then, like, I waited too long and it left their on-demand, their AMC on-demand thing. And I was like, ah, I I guess I I don't really care. And then, like, you know, that whole stretch went by and I realized I didn't care. Then it came back and I I tried to watch it. I'm like, no, I don't like it. I don't think I like it anymore. (laughs) And I just, I just, (laughs) I just haven't watched it. Yeah. But yeah, ever since I became a, a... a cord cutter here like i've been noticing like i don't really watch much tv anymore like even shows i love like iZombie and flash i'm like like episodes behind man like i gotta hurry up before hulu takes them down (laughs) like i'm i i'm caught up on flash yeah the one that we're having difficulty keeping with is um supergirl neither of us are super into watching it anymore because i think we talked about it last time they keep throwing like every villain that they could possibly think of mm-hmm. in one season, and it's like no, one villain could could arc over two or three episodes if yeah. you really yeah. wanted to. But yeah, it's just Supergirl's been a rough one, and uh, but Legends of Tomorrow's been good. And, yeah, uh, I'm on that one. I'm a little behind on it, but I, I've been enjoying it. I enjoy it. It's kind of like. DC meets Doctor Who. Oh, it's I enjoy. <laughs> it is DC meets Doctor Who completely. There's no yeah. there's no two ways about it. Yeah. And the I, fact that they have a, a Doctor Who actor is story. Yeah, <laughs> is is not a coincidence, I think. But um well and one that I really enjoyed that was supposed to have initially been based off a comic but has kind of taken a, a different turn within the first like episode mm-hmm. was Lucifer. Yeah, I, you know what happened with me and Lucifer? Um, so it was coming on after X-Files, and if you've listened or been around this podcast at all, you know I love the X-Files, and we've had, I think, three total episodes dedicated completely to the X-Files in a span of, like, two months, so sorry, everybody. Um, you like it a little. I like it a little. <laughs> uh, maybe just a little bit. Uh, just a tiny bit. Um, so anyway, so, yeah, so I was... 
You know how you always hear about how like shows get that that bump if they follow something that's really popular? Uh-huh. And I was always like, who does that? Who doesn't just like change their channel or turn off their TV if they're not watching it, you know? Like who cares? Yeah. Like what matters? Well, being a cord cutter, I guess I found out cuz I have like a little antenna so I could watch our local Fox channel, our local, you know, all that all that stuff. So I was like, oh, so I'd watch the X-Files and that would get over, you know, whatever time it would get over and then I'm like, oh, time to take the dogs out. So I'd take the dogs out after the X-Files. Then I'd kind of come back in and like play on my phone or, or check stuff on the computer. And then before I knew it, it was like 45 minutes went by and I'd look up and I'm like, I've been watching Lucifer this whole time. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm one of those people. Like if I was, if I had one of those, those boxes, like what, Nielsen, Nielsen, Nielsen boxes, yeah. I'd be like, they would have been getting all this credit for this. Like I'm one of those people who just gave them the post X-Files boost. <laughs> I'm an old man. <laughs> Yep. So what do you think about Lucifer then? Because I, as much as I didn't watch it, it's just on. I really, really like it. It's um, it's definitely not Neil Gaiman, but yeah, that's what I could tell so far. It doesn't seem like it. I mean, the similarities end in that his name is Lucifer. He's mm-hmm. the devil who is taking a vacation in L.A. and owns a bar, and that's it. And that's it. That's, that's where the similarities end. <laughs> but um, no, it's actually really. A really good show, and the guy that they have playing Lucifer, mm-hmm. charming as all shit. Like, <laughs> he is the perfect Lucifer. Yeah, I've been. I mean, from what I have seen, I like him. I the the acting seems okay. I, the I, cop, girl cop that is like the other protagonist uh-huh. is a little iffy. Is, oh, okay. In her acting skills, <laughs> but he more than makes up for it when he's on screen. Like he's just man. He, just, he he's a fantastic actor and mm-hmm. he can literally carry like you don't pay any attention to what else is going on oh, cool. besides his interactions with other people and the his um, archangel brother that comes in that I can never remember his name that's going to drive me crazy yeah it's been a long time since I've read the series so I don't really remember any of the people I feel like such a fraud right now um, that's okay yeah. keep going I'll, I'll look it up just keep going uh, but yeah, he comes in and he's fantastic as well. Um, he kind of is uh, Amundel. That's his name. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But it's played by D.B. Woodside, mm-hmm. um, who is an amazing actor and I love him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, But he's trying to convince Lucifer to go back to hell to rule hell because he's having to clean up the mess, essentially. <laughs> and they do this weird like time stop, time slow down thing when the two angels are together because technically Lucifer's an angel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's just a really well done series so far. That's cool. So awesome. All right, anything else you want to catch up on before we get talking about our books today? I think I've got it. All right, <clears throat> all right. So how about since? We both read Bitch Planet, correct? Did, did you read it too? Yes. Okay. I, I'm ashamed to say I didn't finish it, so you may need to pick up that okay. part. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll do the heavy lifting toward the end there. Um, okay, so let's start with Bitch Planet since we both read it. And then we'll move on to Batwoman because I have not read that, that Batwoman book. All right. So you can tell me about Batwoman and I will be like, ooh, ah. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> like we said... Bitch Planet is from the phenomenal and prolific Kelly Sue DeConnick. Yes. 
and the art is done by Valentin Delandro. Delandro, I'm sorry. And it is from Image Comics. So you know it's right up uh, right up Angel's Alley there is the lover of all things Image. Look at that. We switched this week. You're on Image and I'm, I'm on, on DC. DC. I know. I know. How about that? See, it's it's working. Yeah. Okay, so Bitch Planet first came out in, I think, well, according to this comic here, it came out in December of 2014, so that's probably, what, November of 2014. Um, so it came out at the tail end of 2014. Was it really? I know, can you believe it? It was the very end of 2014 it came out, so it was 2015 that it really became a big thing. Yeah. That it really, like, took off. And if you don't know about Bitch Planet... That's very surprising because it is a huge phenomenon, and I, I don't mean phenomenon to like belittle it. Like, why why should it be? I mean, it took the comic book world by storm. Yeah. I mean, within, like, its first issue, probably within, like, its first, like, preview, there are people who get tattoos based on this book. And, I, and yeah. every time I see one, I'm always like, those are so amazing. Like, I am so just enthralled with people who get these tattoos i think it's so awesome not just because there's a comic book that's created a movement that people want to get permanently etched on their body but the fact of what it represents is also even like better you know like it just makes it all that much more amazing to me so bitch planet is about a post-apocalyptic future and i saw somebody i saw somebody tweet earlier like Post, uh, Bitch Planet is a post-apocalyptic tale, and I was like, "Huh, you know what? It is because we—it's living in an apocalypse world where women are treated like less than second-class citizens. So yeah, that—that considered—that to me would be an apocalypse. So yeah. I, I like that. I like that, even though, from what we can tell from reading the the series, is that it's you know the world is functioning and everyone is doing really well for themselves. It ain't functioning for the women." So we read volume one, which is the first five issues. I'm specifying that because I read each individual issue. I don't have the trade. I have the issues. So what happens is any woman who is deemed non-compliant or NC, which is the tattoo everyone is getting, that little NC logo, they even have, they, they brand some of the women in here. They have, you know, like it on their clothes and stuff. So that's where they got the, there's a special, you know, there's a certain stylized version of NC that people get tattooed on them. So any woman who is deemed non-compliant and who cannot be um, redeemed on planet Earth is shipped off-world to what they have lovingly referred to as Bitch Planet. It has <laughs> an actual jail name. Like, I've lost it now. But um, So yeah, they get shipped there, and it's basically a prison for women who have done nothing more than either speak up, um, have the audacity to want to leave whatever relationship they're in to start a new one or just not be in a relationship, have the audacity to not look like other women, to be overweight or have hair that doesn't comply. What are you saying, Angel? The, if you're too butch. If there's you, a lot of you, very butch women on Bitch Planet. If you're, if you're butch, if your husband has grown tired of you, yep. you can end up there. There are a lot of scary, scary ways to end up on Bitch Planet, and it's all very sad and tragic. The um, the story is really good. It's it's kind of like 
it's kind of funny in a way because it's it's handling this incredibly dark situation with like a bit of tongue in cheek, and it it it's written very much like a like a pulp movie, you know, like it's very much like a grindhouse movie. Even the art is kind of like yeah like grimy and stuff. It, it's really good and. The, I think one of my favorite parts of this are the individual covers, and I'm sure if you pick up the trade, it has all the covers in the back. It has them in the back, yeah. Yeah, because the covers are really awesome. The covers are like little mini like movie posters. They're really cool. Like the episode or episode issue number one of Bitch Planet, it has right on top. Are you woman enough to survive? And it's got <laughs> girl gangs caged and enraged, and it's like it's like all it those posters like you would see. Hmm? It looks like old school wrestling poster. Yeah, it looks like an old school wrestling poster, like an old school like like you know those old like car movies, you know, like they yeah. you know like re- like like the m- movies that were um that inspired inspired Rebel Without a Cause, you know? Yeah. Like it was very very uh reminiscent of that as well. One thing I was noticing about the art as well, especially the new like so they get their news from a thing called the feed, and there's people who give you kind of like plot updates through news, through the news channel. Yeah. Whenever that happens, I, it had a very like Frank Miller vibe to it. It felt very much like The Dark Knight Returns. I can see that. Did you? It, it was like I didn't notice. I didn't really pick up on it until like a couple issues in. I was like, this feels kind of like um, Frank Miller. Like even the art looked a little bit like that. Not to take away from this person's art. This person's art like stands on its own it doesn't really nothing else looks like it it's only it's only things that you see on the tv screen kind of look like frank miller's art and i wonder i'm wondering if they did that on purpose like to kind of like go you know play pay either homage or kind of like poke fun at frank miller either way i'm fine with it (laughs) (laughs) like whether you're saying oh i respect what he's done for the comics that's cool or if you're making fun of him for being borderline racist and misogynist you can do that too um. So yeah. So basically, the plot. Of the... You gotta love a villain with swastikas on their nipples. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> you can't. You can't take that away from them, can you? Nope. Okay. So the plot. The plot of the story. These. There are these. Um. Several women. Who are at well? One of the leaders. Um. Cam. She is approached by the the people who run Bitch Planet. And asked to participate in a game called Mega Megaton or Megatron. It's not Megatron, is it? It's Megaton, I think. Um, so anyway, she's asked to participate in basically a futuristic version of football. Mm-hmm. And every year, it's like a very violent sport. And of course, women never participate because they can't do anything anyway. So they're asked to put together a team. And it's basically just because they want to see the women beaten on tv they think it'd be good ratings um it kind of goes along after somebody dies on television this guy sees all the ratings go up and he thinks oh well now i definitely want to be a part of this so then he really okays the inclusion of a woman's team so this woman puts together a team to try to you know game the system even though they know they're being set up so volume one pretty much follows that it follows cam you know Getting her team together, finding out how Bitch Planet works because she's still relatively new to the to the prison system there, and we meet, you know, her teammates along the way. So there's you know a couple issues where we just kind of meet some of the teammates, 
And it ends, volume one ends with them practicing, getting their first match against the security guards to, to practice to make sure these women understand how the game is played. And so they do. They learn how the game is played because it's not played fair. The The guards break the rules whenever they feel like it because they can. And one of the characters, I'm going to try not to spoil anything right right off the top. One of the characters is is killed at the end. And so now that's where volume one ends with us finding out that the game that they're trying out for, they just lost their one of their secret weapons. And so now where do they go from here? So, Angel, what what did I miss? What would you like to put in as far as Bitch Planet goes before we get into spoiler territory? Um, my favorite uh, review that I've seen both online and from customers of mine that have come in is, uh, well, a summary, essentially, of the book is that it's kind of like The Longest Yard meets Orange is the New Black. <laughs> that's perfect. That is exa- yeah, that's space. exactly what it is. <laughs> in space. <laughs> yeah, in, in space. And uh, which it, I will be honest is one of the things that piqued my interest because I am that person that binge watches Orange Is the New Black the day that it comes out. <laughs> that's cool. yeah, I've I've never watched Orange Is the New Black to be honest. With oh, you. you should give it a chance. I'll it's, give it a go one of these days. But right, um, we're being joined by a cat again. So if you hear a cat meowing in the background, everybody. That's just uh, that's just the calico cat Nora come in to get her fifteen minutes of fame. But yeah, that um, that was what initially got me to read it. Uh, like I said, I am ashamed. I I was reading it issue by issue as well, mm-hmm. and I I'm ninety nine percent sure I read one, two, and three and four. Okay. Not I retained much of four, and I will blame that fully on pregnancy brain because as you should. <laughs> I mean, I get my name sometimes. Like, there's got to be some kind of like. I gotta get a benefit. Ben- yeah, you gotta get some kind of benefit out of it, right? Because <laughs> a lot right now it's just a lot of grueling uncomfortableness. So, you gotta find your victories where you can there. But I, I really appreciated though the the artwork again, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. I like the grittiness. I like the. It's not like everything else you've read, you know. It really isn't. No, I can't. I can't say enough about that and that in relation to a, a bunch of the different new comics that have come out, but specifically Bitch Planet, the, the art is not like something you've seen before. So I really appreciated that. No, yeah, it's really not. Like, it's very, you know, like, it's very realistic while at the same time being very, like, kind of abstract mm-hmm. in a way, like the, the shading of the characters of the of people's you know bodies and stuff like that it's very it's very dark and like grimy is the word i come i keep going yeah. to but not in like a dirty way just like in a like a really nicely done artistic way yeah um yeah so i think i think this book is is very important for people to read because though we don't live in a world where women are pretty much sentenced to death and exile if they don't play by the men's rules, we pretty much live in a world where women are exiled if they don't play by men's rules, though. You know, like, this basically, if if the world, if the patriarchy of our society could do exactly what they wanted to, this pretty much would look like our world. The way men speak to the women, the way women are expected to be a certain way, 
it's pretty much everything that underlines our current culture and our culture for ever. And it's just a little bit more open about it. It's kind of like I've seen this thing going around online right now where people have, have started fighting back against the term political correctness where they're like, oh, say what you really mean when you say you hate political correctness. And it's basically, well, it's just I want to say racist things and not get in trouble for it. Or I want to be a misogynist and not be in trouble for it. And that's pretty much what this is. You, They, they live in a world where they can treat women the way, uh, unfortunately, a lot of our society does anyway. And basically just get away with it. It's just... It's just second nature. No one thinks anything about it. That women are just there to serve the needs of men, however those needs need to be served. And it, it's 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 un- it's interesting to see these characters though, because all the ca- all the main female characters we have are strong women because they're non-compliant. Even the one woman, there's one woman guard who's putting who's working for the um, the bad guys the you know the people who run the jail um she's putting the team you know she's the one kind of helping the team get formed she's acting as a liaison between the team and and the people in charge and even her she even though we know she has probably no real independence or no real authority over her own life she's still seen as somebody who's fierce and somebody who's in charge so even the one woman we have who's not in jail is still very strong. But you can see along the periphery, all, all the while while you're reading it, you can see how women are treated. When you look at the news feed, you see how women are treated. I mean, the very opening scene of book of issue number one is a guy getting pissed off because the the female reporter is late to work. And you get the impression that she's only late by like maybe a minute. But it starts off with, like, if she's not here, like, she's running, like, trying to get the, to to work. And there's a line where this guy says, no, she's got, she's got 10 seconds to walk through that door before I read the damn thing myself. And you get, you get the impression that, like, oh, well, he's just, he's just upset. But then when you couple that with what you start seeing about this world like right after you realize no this woman better hurry she's really got 10 seconds he starts counting down and she gets there just in time and i imagine if she didn't she would be on the ship to to bitch planet for being non-compliant and making a man have to wait a couple minutes more god forbid god forbid so i mean that it's little things like that like i'd be on bitch planet in like five minutes Every woman, <laughs> every woman I know would be on Bitch Planet. So I'd be in good company. <laughs> yes, I would be a lonely motherfucker. You and, if, you and Chris could fix each other dinner on alternate days. I know, I'd be like, man. Uh, so what are we doing? We, Chris and I, would be working on a way to get a spaceship there and like there free go. everybody. We gotta free them. We got. We would be in Bitch Planet too for being sympathetic to the cause. We would. We would probably just be shot. <laughs> we would be seen as sissy men and shot right on, right on the scene. Yep. So, all right. So, do you have anything to say before we talk about some spoilers in it? No, spoil away. Okay. So, warning to anyone listening: there will be spoilers in three, 
two, one. All right, you've been warned. Spoilers from here on out. Okay, so what I was hinting to, hinting at in the little segment there before is that so you meet this team and the one thing i will say is there's not a whole lot of characterization outside of cam and the 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 big woman whose name i forget the the god i can't believe i forget her name that's the other thing they don't really say their names very often so like for me who's bad at remembering characters names to begin with like you say it once and that's fine, but if you don't if you don't give it to me every now and then, I'm gonna lose it. Do you remember what her name is? I don't. Yeah. All right. I'll look it. <laughs> I'll look it up when I'm done with this. But anyway, so they're practicing on their field. They're they're going against the guards, and the guards really want to give it to them. You know, like they're like they hate these girls to begin with, and they want to take them down. They want to knock them down a peg. They want to show that they're still in charge. So they break the rules. One of the rules of Megaton is that or Megaton, or however it's pronounced, is that you're, you can do anything you want to your opponent. You can punch them, kick them, slap them, tackle them, whatever you want, but it can only be one-on-one. You can't double-team an opponent. You can't do anything like that. So it's basically like football. Like One person has a ball, and they try to get it to the other end of the field to score points, and the other team is trying to stop them from doing that. So as the girls are trying to get their, their ball down the other side of the field, they end up the guards end up double teaming the their big bruiser, you know, the the one that they think is going to give them that advantage. They got one really fast fast girl named Miko, I believe, or or Miko. Yep. So they got this really fast girl, Miko, and then they got this big bruising like hulk of a woman. And so they're going to basically their game plan is she's going to basically block and knock everyone out of the way and Miko's fast as hell and she's going to get to the other end and they're going to and they have a chance to win. So the guards double team, double team. One of the guards hits somebody with a foreign object, which isn't allowed, and they keep calling for foul, foul, foul. And then finally Miko is about to score and one of the guards grabs her by her hair and slams her down on the ground. And you think he just knocks her out, or at least I did. I'm like, oh, he just knocked her out. They're not going to kill anybody right yet. Nope, Miko's dead. Broke her neck. Oh. End of volume one. That's how it happens. She's dead, Cam. Miko's dead, and that's how it ends. They're all huddled around their dead their dead teammate. And so you're like, shit, now what? And on top of that, the um, the people in charge of Bitch Planet want to build like a special field or a special stadium there for this event going on and so they're sending the guy who designed Bitch Planet back to Bitch Planet to like hopefully quickly design something else that they can use so that you know cuz god forbid the women are allowed to come to earth so um so he doesn't – he's kind of you – know, you think he's kind of nervous to go or you think he just doesn't want to do it because there's not enough time. Then he agrees to go and his wife gets really mad at him and you realize that the only reason he's agreeing to go is because Miko is his daughter. And he, uh... want, he wants to go see his daughter again. And there was, a, there was a scene in one of the earlier issues where Miko tells Cam that – she needs to be on her team because she knows the schematics of the place because she helped build it. And now it all comes together because, well, she probably helped her father. 
And I'm sure that was seen as non-compliant, a woman doing a man's job. I'm sure that led to her being shipped away. But So he's all, he's getting ready to take his journey to Bitch Planet to what he thinks is to see his daughter for the first time in God only knows how long. And then the next couple pages, she dies. So volume two is going to be depressing as hell. Um, so yeah, that's how it ends. It's tragic. Like all along the way, there's... You know, like, there's a lot of tragedy in this book anyway. It's just the idea that people who have committed absolutely no crimes are sentenced to life in prison solely because no one wants them around anymore. Um, so that's tragic. But, like, along... Go ahead, what? Which is depressing in itself. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly depressing. But along the way, like, there's bits of humor in it and just, like, the overall, like... Like how Kelly Sue DeConnick handles it, she kind of handles it in absurd, but like almost like this is absurd because it's also kind of true, you know. Like mm-hmm. you laugh at it because you're like, oh, it's it could happen, really. But like there are things in it that are kind of funny, in you know, like a dark, morbid way. But so it's it's kind you don't really get the impression along the way that like this is going to be a straight tragedy. You think it's going to be more of like an action, like socially aware action thing that's probably got a lot of like dark elements to it but handled in a in a kind of ridiculous way and Mm -hmm. so for volume one to end in such a tragic way is it it was really disconcerting so now that i've spoiled it for you what do you what do you how do you feel about that how does that make you (laughs) i don't like it one bit i don't like that one bit and now i need to go finish it yeah (laughs) But I, I just, I don't know. I, on one hand, I would love to believe that that could never happen ever in the world. Well, I mean. And on the other hand, it's one of those stranger things have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, I mean, we live in a world where it would never go that extreme. No. But really, we've done some extreme things. We, I mean. We as a country alone have locked up Japanese Americans just because we were afraid of Japanese people, you know, like Yeah. I know right. we I know we like to believe we've come a long way. Penny, that's the big girl's name, Penelope. Penny. Um I know we like to believe that we've I come a long way. That didn't fit her very well. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> She's awesome. I love that one. There's one issue where you get her like some of her backstory, you meet her grandma and like all that. Oh, it's that's another one that's like it's fun but tragic. Oh my god! Like, just because like she's a big girl, that's it. That's well, all. That's all she really did. Part of that, like, that, that was that was one because I read that part of it, and for me, her her backstory was almost more compelling than the whole sport aspect. And I know prison aspect. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to know. Like, I hope volume two goes more into the backstory of some of these girls. Uh, yeah, like, me too. Cause there. yeah, for me, that was super compelling. Like I, one, well, I identify, I have never, well, you knew me with the two couple of years that I was a tiny girl, but that was cause I didn't eat <laughs> back then, Yeah, <laughs> but I've never been built to be a small girl being half Mexican. It just is not in my blood <laughs> or body type. <laughs> uh, and so when I was reading, that was one of those genuine, like I could connect with this character mm-hmm. moment. 
<laughs> and she is. I I think I kind of misspoke a little bit. I said along the way you get some backstory from them. Really, what happens is, and the last issue as you're meeting the team, their little personnel file kind of pops up in one of the in yeah. the panel, and it basically just tells you their name, their height, their weight, and like yeah, that's pretty much it. So you, that's how you get their names. But really, the only character that we have any backstory for is Penelope. Is Penny? Yeah. It's like even Cam, the the main character, we at least me, maybe I maybe I mean I just read them all in the past couple of days before redo, reviewing this. I don't know why she's there. Maybe I missed something. It's But was she the one? No. No. She wasn't the one you, at the beginning. Yeah, it it opens up when you think the main character is going to be this woman named Marion. Yeah, because she the boyfriend is married and her husband. Yeah, so what happens is there's like this like switch and bait in the very beginning where like um bait and switch that's just switch and bait that's so funny bait and switch <laughs> in the beginning um where so you know the new the new inmates are shipped there and this one girl like after they get there and they get hosed off and they get their new clothes she's like there's kind of like a, a little riot and she starts screaming she's like i'm not supposed to be here i'm not supposed to be here and so everyone just kind of makes fun of her just like they do in every prison movie you know like oh yep. there's always one who says he's not supposed to be here there's always one who says he's innocent but of yep. course every woman in here pretty much is innocent like they've really committed no crime i mean penny has gotten into a few fights if anything she should have spent like a couple days in jail for yeah. like for you know disturbing the peace and in a you know assault she a little bit of battery no yeah. like, i mean she's <laughs> but she's also been driven to it by a society that's constantly attacking her so yeah how, you know i'm gonna give her some slack there but anyway so marion is screaming she doesn't she doesn't belong here then they cut to a scene where some a guy with her same last name is meeting with one of the people who runs bitch planet and he's saying my wife there's been a terrible mistake. I know that the system is is messed. You know, I I, I went around the system. I tried, I I tried to bribe somebody, and I and, and I regret it, and I'm sorry. And they kind of go on to say, like, you know, he was like, I had an affair, and I and I and we fixed things though. We fixed things now. Everything's fixed now. And then you cut to a scene where she's like, he had an affair, but you know, I I learned that it was my mistake, and I'm sorry. I I, I made my penance, and I I know it's my fault now. And you start, and it's leading you to think that he's talking about her, mm-hmm. that they've reconciled. But then he finally like slips some more money to the guy running the prison, and he's like, "Oh, good news! I was able to release your wife." And then in come into the room comes the very young girl, the very young woman—not a girl, but a woman—that he had an affair with, who's the new Mrs. Whatever I forget their last name now, but yeah. she's the new wife, and the old, the old, his old discarded wife is now on bitch planet and so then we meet the main character cam because she tries to protect marion because they get an order once he's bribed that person they kind of send an order to kill her because he doesn't want her in his life at all anymore he doesn't want to be bothered by this whole thing he wants it all to go away so the guards kind of start aiming to take her out and Mm -hmm. cam tries to protect her and she, you know, like she starts fighting off all these guards, and then one of the guards gets around her, and the book opens in a very tragic way too. The book opened the very last thing in, in book number and issue number one is Marion gets killed, and there was nothing that Cam could do to protect her. And then 
Issue number two, we find out about this spore, and then they start trying to put together this team. So it starts. I mean, it's bookend. Volume one is bookend. Bookend by death. It's you got you. You kill some woman just because she had an affair, or he, her husband had an affair, and discarded her. So she's only there because her husband no longer wanted her. And then the other woman is killed solely because she got mouthy and was like showboating because she was about to score on these people and these men didn't like it and they killed her. Yep. So it's bookend by tragedy, but in the middle, in the middle of it, the, 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 the four, the three titles in the, in the middle are, are kind of like, they're not as tragic. They're, yeah. they're more like setting up the world in which we live in now. And you're seeing kind of like the everyday world. There's, you know, they they go back and forth between Bitch Planet and Planet Earth. And you see on Planet Earth, there's very few women doing anything. You hardly ever see any any women. The only time you do, they're either getting their ass smacked or being called sweetheart or on the news feed. So that's pretty much it. So what are some more of your thoughts on, on Bitch Planet, Angel? Um... I mean, my biggest one is, again, and I'm ashamed to say I couldn't remember her name, but I really, for me, the most compelling part of the whole volume was Penny's story. Yeah. It's just something you identify with. And even even with uh, strong female comic characters appearing more and more mm-hmm. lately, there's still not a lot of uh, curvier <laughs> curvier uh, strong female comic book characters out there i was gonna save this Uh-oh. i was gonna save this for the end but this i think that's a, a pretty good segue i have not read it yet and i don't know if you have there's a new series out right now called uh, did you just say it i can't it was faith, kind of, yeah. yeah faith have you read it uh i read the first issue mm-hmm. how is it <sighs> kind oh. of rocky okay i i desperately the day that i read it started searching the internet to see if I could find a picture of the person who wrote or drew it uh-huh. because I feel like they're not a curvy person. Mm. Um, it wasn't bad. It was just still slightly off the mark. It's one of those, like, that was why I liked Penny's story was because it's very identifying. Like, no matter what you do as a woman, you're told as you grow up, this is the way you're supposed to look. Like, that's just how it is. You mm-hmm. look this way. And it, it's gotten better. And I, I have full faith in the next generation of women to not be so stuck in a Victoria's Secret catalog mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of body type. But, um, I mean, I know when I was growing up, it was like, if, especially, I don't know, high school is awful. And middle school kids are awful. Middle school and, and high school are the worst. If you don't look a certain way, you get made fun of. Like, mm-hmm. even if it's like 10 pounds, it's like horrible. Because I wasn't even one of the larger girls in our high school. And no. it was still an issue. And it was one of those things that I just never understood why, how much I weigh affects you. <laughs> why it matters. <laughs> well, um, let me tell you that it doesn't. It's, yeah. it's I, I don't understand figured that out yeah i mean i don't understand like i was not always a nice person and i'm still not always a nice person but like i i have never been mean to somebody just because of their weight you know like i don't i don't i've never understood that either 
So, I mean, I, I don't get it. But anyway, like, I'm looking at the... Some of the art from Faith right now. Mm-hmm. And, like... I I am very glad that they're, you know... As they said, the first plus-size model is now in comics. Or plus-size superhero is now here. That That's that's cool. Okay, so I found some pictures from Faith. Or mainly, I, I'm looking at the cover of issue number one. And I see what you mean. It's, you know, she's sitting on a power line. Sitting next to some pigeons. Using her computer. And... I mean, in the artist's defense here, the power lines aren't, like, don't look like to be, like, they're under, like, a lot of stress. And, you know, no. they're, only, they're only slightly down, so that's nice. Like, it's not so cartoonish as though, like, like some old Tom and Jerry thing where it's just almost down to the ground because of how big she is. Yeah. But it's also, like, I, from, from what I'm reading into it here, and I have not read this at all, so I have no idea what this thing is about. But it, it looks like she may look big, but she's light. Yeah. So, like, the message here is, oh, well, just because she looks big, she's still light. Like, well, what does it matter how much she weighs? Like, if she looks yeah, big, right. why can't she be big? Like, why, yeah. you know, like, but again, I haven't read it, so I, I'm not going to pass judgment on it. But you, I mean, feel free. I mean, talk uh, about. I just, a uh, part of it is, um, um, I just, I don't, it's just not realistic. Okay. <laughs> it's one of those things that like, I don't know, larger girls are still only just now becoming more acceptable. Mm-hmm. And even then it's still like, it's not even acceptable. It's that they're becoming more comfortable with themselves and everybody else be damned. Yeah. Is I think the yeah, attitude. Cause- yeah, they're take. they're not being accepted. I'll tell you that much. Oh no, oh no. Because if you ever click on, I don't. I try desperately not to click on the comments on pictures and articles about like quote unquote body positivity. I know. There's some really mean people out there. I know the internet's such <laughs> a terrible place. It's such a horrible place. Like there's so much awesome information out there, but then at the same time, there's some really like I just. To me, I've always been of the mindset: if it if it doesn't affect you, then why do you get so angry about it? Yeah, I know. And so it's one of those things. Like, um, uh, I can't remember her name. Ashley, I think is her name. The the girl who was just on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, that that very large girl who finally yeah. broke the glass ceiling. And she's gorgeous. She is and gorgeous, I- and she's not very big at all. Like. <laughs> She's not even that big. I know. Like, they're like, oh. A... I think they said she's like a size 14 or 15. And I'm like, oh, that's what I was in high school. Okay, uh... that's great. <laughs> but she's gorgeous. And it's one of those things that um, it was one of those times where I was a fool and clicked on the uh... comments uh... on Sports Illustrated thing. And I'm reading it. And I'm like, it, it was one of those. Th- okay. You have two daughters. So you will understand this. There was a moment when I discovered that we were having a son that I literally cried because I was so happy I was not going to have to train a daughter to understand that she is worth more than her pant size. I know. (laughs) And it was one of those moments where I'm like, but then it was also twofold because I'm going to need to teach my son to accept women no matter their size as long as it's based on their personality. Yeah. I know like, I've I've often had that thought too like what 
I mean, they're both challenging. Like you oh, have yeah. you have a daughter, and you have to be worried about all the dangers that the male world presents to her. And then you have a son, and you have to worry about is he going to be part of the danger that is presented to other people? You know, like yeah, it's it's just it's not right, man. But yeah. I lost track of what I was going to say now. Oh well, yeah, that's another thing too. Like completely. I mean, this is about feminism, so might as well. I guess we're not veering too far off this Very. path here. <laughs> but um, that's one of the things too. Like people. I mean, even I think even you a couple times have given me shit because I've let Amir watch season one of uh, Daredevil. Oh yeah, and um, <laughs> she she was uh, she had just turned she had just turned eleven. She might not even been eleven yet. She might have still been ten when season one of Daredevil came out. See, that would have been borderline for me. But again, yeah, you but know her better than I do. I do, and and, so, I, and she's she can handle. I know she yeah, and I know. Not only what she can, but she also is is she also knows that she's a kid. She likes like a, entertainment aimed at adults because she likes a good story. Yeah, and she's at the age now. Like she's been a like just an avid reader since she could read. So she's like read every kind of story she can get her hands on. So like she's like yeah, and she's 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 bored by stories aimed at kids her age. Like. She's been away from cartoons now for a while. Like, every now and then she'll watch, like, Steven Universe or Adventure Time or something like that. But, like, she's – there's no cartoon. There's no kid show. There's no Disney live action show anymore that she really gravitates toward because the stories don't hold her interest. And so because of that, I I let her watch things now that are borderline. And, I mean, when I was her age, I was watching shit like X-Files and – night stalker and you know usa up all night when my mom wasn't watching or you know like professional wrestling Hmm? my dad would watch horror movies together yeah i mean i think i watched the exorcist when i was like nine or something you know like i and my mom like would let me watch these things and she would watch a lot of these things with me to make sure that there was a responsible adult around and so that's what i'm doing with with amira and you know like well, so, and part of it is that she's so well read that she knows what she yeah she's not a violent kid that has to know like what's real and what's fake. It's yeah. like I I was well read like she is, and so when we watched Poltergeist, it wasn't like I thought the stuff was going to happen like that. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and she she's good. I mean, so with Daredevil, it would you know whenever like a violent scene. Luckily, Daredevil is pretty predictable. Yeah. As a as a show, I'm not please don't send me emails. I'm not saying anything bad about, <laughs> about the show. I love the show Daredevil, but it is predictable in the sense of you know when things are going to escalate. You can tell if you've watched any movie, you know what's going to happen. So, I could tell when things were about to get a little too gory, and I would say, "All right, cover your eyes." And she would do it. Like legitimately cover her eyes cuz she also doesn't want to see gory thing she's terrified of zombies because they're gory and they creep her out yeah so that's how she watched season one mostly behind her her hands um (laughs) but the argument i've had with people is and and i see where the other side of this this argument comes from is i don't let her watch things that have too much sex in them yeah because for me i know that she is in a world where violence is still technically not acceptable. 
like she knows that problems can't be solved with violence and that they shouldn't be solved with violence and that just because daredevil jumps off a building and punches somebody doesn't mean that that's what happens in the real world she understands that there's a big difference between fantasy violence and real violence yeah but that line does not exist for sex when it comes to tv or movies sex is sex no matter what so like people people you know start quick little relationships or just value somebody or use somebody like there are all these different storylines involving sex and she's going to be inundated in my opinion she's going to be inundated with a world that tells her she needs to look like this she needs to behave like this to get a boy or, or or another girl's attention she needs to do this she needs to do that and i don't want her exposed to that any earlier than she needs to be yeah exactly so that's why i don't let her watch things that like have a lot of like sexual references or a lot of sexual scenes in them because i don't want her to see that and think well that that is acceptable because that's never portrayed in a movie or a tv show as something that like well if you do this there will be consequences like even tv yeah. shows about violence show that there's consequences like daredevil has broken ribs every two seconds and a black yeah. eye and misses work and his friends hate him now because he won't return their phone call and you know like the list goes on there's well, never Along the same vein that, because um, obviously you have been there, but I don't know how much of our listening audience has been to Tate's before. The mm-hmm. comic store that I Tate's, at. the number one comic store in all of South Florida. Um, but one of our rules, we, we don't have a lot of rules <laughs> at Tate's, but we always have a show or something going on in the background on the TV yes. when you first walk in the door. See. At both locations. At both locations. One rule is no nudity. Yes. And it is for one of those reasons in that, yeah, there's a lot of stuff kids are exposed to nowadays. And a lot of it is comic book type fantasy violence. Mm -hmm. And I think the majority of kids know when Batman's beating somebody up, it's different. It's not, that's not how you go about fixing things, but that's how Batman deals with things. Yeah. And, And another good example of that is, um, Sometime late last year, Amir and I were up late on a Saturday night, and Christina wasn't feeling well, so she hadn't gone to bed earlier. So we were trying to find crap on TV to watch. And I had, like, I had watched a boxing match not too long before, so I was kind of watching boxing a little bit. And then Amir came back in the room with me, and so we were in the living room trying to find something to watch. And I'm like, it was one of those, there used to be a channel, I forget what it is now, it might be like the NBC Universal channel or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. It would show reruns of the WWE matches during the week. Oh, yeah. And then that same Saturday on Fox Sports, they had a UFC thing going on. Mm-hmm. And so I was going through this thing where it was like, well, I haven't watched any of this stuff in forever. Like, I'm a huge sports fan, but I haven't, I hadn't watched wrestling in like probably 15 years, 10 yeah. years, 10 years at the least. And then, like, I'm like, I, I've never been able to get into UFC, and I haven't been into boxing in a long time. Because for a person who grew up on action movies and comic books, I'm not really a violent person. I don't really like violence. I, I love a lot of sports that have violence in them, too, but I'm not, I, I, I'm not a violent person. So, I mean, I will be if anyone wants to uh, attack my family, obviously. But, I mean, you know, like, I'm not a violent person. So we were, we were watching something. I'm like, hey, let's try some of this. See if you like this. So we were watching UFC, and it was like the <laughs> thing, everything was just bloody. 
Like they were yeah. knocking everybody out, and Amir was like, "Oh God!" Like she didn't like it. It like kind of freaked her <laughs> out. And then we were watching WWE, and she's like, "This, all oh, that looks painful." And so I explained to her, "I'm like, well, the professional wrestling, like it's choreographed." Yeah. Like I was trying to explain to her, like, you know, it, it's real. People do can get hurt, but they don't. They're not actually trying to hurt one another. It's more of like, it's more of like an art. You know, like they. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like an interpretive dance group, you know, like it's an art form, you know, like, and so once she realized that the WWE was for lack of a better term fake, yeah, she really gravitated toward because it was basically like a comic book, which is the same thing I gravitated toward too. It was like you have these larger than life characters and they're settling their differences with violence, but no one. Some of them are heroes, some of them are villains. We got your baby faces, we got your heels, we get like I I've got. <laughs> I've gotten so much more into into wrestling again. Like, oh, it was such a it was such a bad thing for to happen. But she's gotten into I'm wrestling now. I'm proud that she was wearing a Bailey T-shirt. Oh, dude, yeah. So yeah, no, I, how happy that made me. Last, <laughs> yeah, la, um, by time well, this is coming out tomorrow, actually. So yeah, on Friday of this of this weekend, we went to a NXT show, and oh my god, I love NXT so much. And she is a huge. Bailey Mark. She loves Bailey so much. I love Bailey too. So yeah, she was wearing her Bailey shirt. I had my Finn Balor shirt on. We were we were rocking. So yeah, so like that's one of the things that she's gravitated toward wrestling. And speaking of feminism, NXT handles their women wrestlers so much better than the WWE does. Oh, yeah. First of all, they call them their tight their their the women's division. Their title is the women's title. Not- WWE is the divas bullshit. Like <laughs> ugh. <laughs> so disgusting. Anyway, that's enough of that tangent. But so that's that's where you know Angel and I are coming from as far as like feminism goes. Yeah. So, <clears throat> all right. Do you have anything else you want to say about Bitch Planet other than it's a must read? Because let's it's be honest, must- it's a must read. Yeah, it's a must read. I, I definitely will give it another go now that I'm able to focus more. <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, I. I definitely would recommend it to anybody who who that is your genre of comic. Even if it's not even if it's not your genre, even if like sci-fi or grindhouse doesn't appeal to yeah. you or you know, like read it because it's more than the sum of its parts. Like it's yeah. a, it's a message wrapped in a, a good story. Like like I you, think it's also definitely one I would read in a volume. I mean, I know you're doing this a lot for uh libraries but especially in volume form i think it comes across better it does it it really does and speaking of libraries yes that i not only do i think this is a must read i think this is a must own for any public library i don't think you can justify doing any collection development without including volume one of bitch planet not only because it's very popular and there's demand for it but it's one of the more important graphic novels to come out in a long time. Very few graphic novels have any meaningful message behind them these days. Mm-hmm. And if they do, it's mostly like, you know, like, does violence solve things? Or we live in a police state world. Do we need vigilantes on top of our over-militarized police? You know, like, it's yeah. that kind of, it's like terrorist versus you know like the world type of political whereas this is more of like you know your everyday political your your social political commentary 
that really needs to be addressed and is addressed in a very fantastic way. Both the writing, the art, everything about the colors, everyone who's touched this book has brought something very extraordinary to it. And it needs to be part of any collection, any public library collection out there. So if you don't already own it and you're listening to this and you can do anything about that, you need to own it for your library. Yeah. All right. So moving on, Angel, would you like to talk to us about Batwoman? I would love to talk to you about Batwoman. Oh, good. I'd love to hear about Batwoman. All right. So, and you have not read this one at all, right? I am only like, like, I know I just spent whatever, however long that was (laughs) talking about feminism and the importance of strong female characters. I am only like vaguely familiar with Batwoman. I don't Uh really know a whole lot about her. Okay. Because much like professional wrestling, I was gone from comics for a long time. Yeah. So I think this Batwoman phenomenon happened while I was gone, and I've yet to come it's, like catch to it's it. It restarted itself, uh, kind of recently because okay. she was introduced in the fifties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I know she's kind of an older character, but like when I was I reading characters, like fifties, like fifty-three, fifty-four. Okay. I know it was in. Uh, let me remember Detective Comics. Uh huh. Two thirty-three. Wow. That's when she came out. Two thirty-three. Uh, You're bringing the heat. Somebody yeah. took notes. <laughs> July nineteen fifty-six. Was it fifty-six? Yep. Um, but I know that she originally came out to kind of because there was a whole oh, thing Bob about her too. Robin going on. Mm-hmm. Um, about their homoerotic overtones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So she was supposed to originally have been brought in to be a romantic interest for Bruce mm-hmm. um, to squash said rumors of Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. And then now she's a lesbian. So I think that's amazing. That's <laughs> incredible. But uh, for Batman, uh, Batwoman Elegy came out. Um, the hardcover was released in June 2010. Okay. Um and I think I said earlier, it's Greg Rucka is the writer. Mm-hmm. Artist is J.H. Williams. Uh, and for me, the reason I actually started reading this had nothing to do with Batwoman. It was a customer of mine was leaping through the book. And I'm a sucker for good art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will read just about any story if there's good art. And the artwork is so gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. And it turned out to have a fantastic story along with it. Um, Because it's genuinely about this lady who kicks ass. Mm -hmm. Like, she just genuinely, she wants to do something with her life. And This art is really good, I'm looking at. Isn't it fantastic? Mm -hmm. But, okay, so it's about Kate Kane. She, um... She was raised in a, as a military brat. Her dad was a colonel. Um, it kind of goes into her back, well, it goes into her backstory of she and her sister, her twin sister and her mom are kidnapped. Um, and by the time the colonel's uh, group gets there to save them, the mother has been murdered and along with the twin sister. And so it's just Kate and her father. And he trains her like a military person. <laughs> uh, he does what he does best. Mm-hmm. And so 
she goes to West Point and um, I don't remember exactly what their motto is, but I know it's that a cadet will, a cadet honor and truth or something like that. Mm -hmm. But um, she's accused of having a homosexual relationship and they tell her she needs to denounce it or that she'll be kicked out of West Point. And she says, well, a cadet's not supposed to lie, and I'm gay. And she's kicked out. And she's afraid, not really afraid, intimidated to go home and tell her dad this. Because mm -hmm. he's the colonel. And so she goes home, and he asks why she's home and, you know, what's going on? Are you on leave or whatever? And she said that, no, she had, she'd been brought up on... Uh, on accusations of homosexuality and she couldn't lie. And so now she's home and she's been kicked out. And he said that he's just proud of her for being honest. So it's kind of nice to see somebody who a dad, especially in a military style, who is so willingly accepting of their kid. Yeah, that's, but, uh, that's fun. I mean, that's yeah. a different, that's right there. Sadly, a twist on most stories. <laughs> Real life. <laughs> yeah and real life <laughs> but um but anyway so the, it she kind of spends a couple years where and this is all within the first uh issue because this is actually only it only covers four issues mm. from that series and um she kind of goes through a couple wild and crazy years spending her stepmom's money <laughs> and trotting the globe and <laughs> finally gets in trouble and her dad wants to know what she wants to do with her life mm -hmm. and she has had a run-in with batman that evening and batman watched her as she beat the crap out of a mugger who mm -hmm. is trying to take her purse and batman reaches down to help her up and she decides she wants to be like batman and she tells the colonel that she wants to save people and help people so he gets in touch with his sas and uh, covert ops people and literally just sponsors her to send her to get trained around the world to get the Batman training to get the Batman training okay. as long as she lives by the Batman no kill uh, no kill code okay and so then it kind of starts off where which it's a little a little strange because you jump into it and they're telling this backstory and they're telling the backstory of how uh, there was what's called the religion of crime and it's a it's 13 covens in gotham essentially mm -hmm. that uh want to take over gotham and apparently she's already had a run-in with them because they thought she was part of a prophecy and they stabbed her and she didn't they stabbed her in the heart and she didn't die that's just like she's the rasputin of gotham exactly <laughs> <laughs> and so she recovered and it's it's dad and her talking about still going after this thing because they, they've now put, she um, outed the old guy and now they've appointed a new, uh, what do you call it? High, high madam. Oh, high madam. Of the coven. Ooh. So she has a run in with her and then it goes on from there. But it's before I give away the whole story. <laughs> But, um, but no, it's especially along the lines of feminism, it's one of those things where it 
it is a book that validly portrays growing up as a girl and trying to find your way. And especially, you know, it's not my story, obviously, but to see her just want to help people and having a supportive backdrop of a dad who will help her. Like he, he helped her build her like quote unquote back cave essentially. That's cool. So it was one of those things. That's a nice story. Yeah. And it, she's got a semi rocky relationship with a cop and it's, it's just a, it's a really awesome storyline. Before I go into spoilers, it's a really awesome story. Okay. All right. So spoiler warning in three, two, one. All right. You've been warned. Spoilers for Batwoman Elegy follow. All right. Spoilers, spoilers. So I said we knew we meet the new high madam. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Alice. And it is literally she talks in riddles. And I think she validly thinks she's Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, she has like the cute little pixie blonde hair and she's made up and if you're looking at any of the art, I'm sure she's in some of it. But uh, she has this whole troop of covens that are trying to kill Batwoman because they think if she can kill her, then it's going to fulfill the prophecy. And Batwoman's being backed up by former members of the coven who call themselves true believers. And they're actually like halflings. Like there's werewolves and lizard men and octopus. Like this guy has tentacles for arms oh wow this is a crazy batman universe it is it is (laughs) but um but yeah alice is basically spending the whole book trying to kill slash recruit batwoman Mm -hmm. um and also kill everyone in gotham because you know it's batman you have to kill everybody in gotham yeah i know what's up with that (laughs) why is it always like you know we why isn't it always like I just want to, I just want some money. It's no, I want all people of Gotham to be dead. Yeah, I would move if I lived in Gotham. Yeah, That's... there is no way in hell I would be living in Gotham. <laughs> no, I mean my rent would have to be like a dollar a month for me to live in Gotham. Let's be honest though, rent probably is amazing in Gotham. Probably, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so Alice and her her people from her coven, um. <clears throat> I mean, they already have back. Batwoman and her have a showdown on the roof at one point. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, Alice gets the grand idea to hijack a plane um, and essentially spray a chemical weapon across Gotham. Mm. So the Colonel and uh, Batwoman team up with uh, some of the True Believer people, the former cult members. To try and stop her. And, you know, chaos ensues, <laughs> of course. Um, but the, the biggest twist is, which this is the biggest spoiler, you find out that Alice, uh, during one of their struggles, Batwoman, Alice says something that kind of triggers something in Batwoman. So mm-hmm. she accidentally had cut Alice. And she took a swab of her DNA and took it to the crime lab along with her own. And you find out that Alice is, in fact, her twin sister who she thought was dead. Oh, 
Shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it ends there with Colonel explaining to her that they couldn't find her sister when the rescue team went in. Mm -hmm. The mother was dead, but they couldn't find the sister. That it was another kid at the barracks that was dead. Oh, man. They couldn't find the sister, and he spent his whole life trying to find the sister, and it was just easier for her to believe that the sister was dead. And that's where the story leaves off. And it's one of those things where it's like, I need the rest of this. (laughs) And that was like six years ago. Did we ever get a rest of this? Uh, I think there is. I just can't find it. For sure. And I work in a comic store. All right, I well, be able to find this. As the librarian, I'll see what I can find out. We'll put our heads together and we'll see if we can find I it. I know the last issue was Detective Comics uh, 857. Okay. was the last one's anthology. Oh, that sounds like a very good story, man. It's a super awesome story. Yeah. And it, one of the things I like about it is that it's a strong female character without being overly in your face about it. Uh-huh. Like, they're not, like, constantly like, oh, look, she's a lesbian. Oh, look, she's a feminist. Oh, look. Yeah, like, she's just, not, that's she's just who she is. Yeah. That's awesome. Which I always appreciate. All right, so how do you feel? I know you're you're a comic book store person, but since you're you read it and I didn't, what would you say for librarians out there? Is this a must-own for a collection? I think it's a must-own, not only in that you have a very strong female protagonist, but also in the fact that they literally quote Lewis Carroll, like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> and for me, it was... Because Alice in Wonderland was one of my favorite stories when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it, to be able to... Un- like, I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh... Oh, I know where this is from. <laughs> and so, yeah, to be able to have all these, like, quotes thrown at you. And they use them in valid situations. They're mm-hmm. not, like, you know, a random quote thrown in so it sounds like she's talking nonsense. It yeah. sounds like she's having a conversation with that woman. It's just using quotes from the book. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty interesting. All right, cool. I will double-check my library system tomorrow and see if we own it. If not... I will correct that. <laughs> Yay! All right, so that's the end of our reviews of Bitch Planet Volume 1 and Batwoman Elegy. Uh, before we go, let's um, do some other quick little, we don't have to get into big summaries or anything, but other good feminist comic books out on the market. I put out on Twitter and Facebook earlier asking for. Some recommendations from listeners or followers, and I was lucky enough that Kelly Sudaconic herself retweeted me, so that was pretty cool, and then this happened while I was doing a program at the library, so my phone kept blowing up, of all the people who were, you know, liking and retweeting, but not a whole lot of people gave their recommendations, but there were a few recommendations, so basically the one, I had a couple people give me the same title, and I am not surprised by it because it's a great title. Uh, Rat Queens. Yeah. Rat Queens is another great feminist comic. I read it. I read volume one. I understand that it's a great feminist comic and I and that's great. I don't particularly care for stories like this though. Like I don't really like outside of Lord of the Rings, I'm not a big like fantasy person, you know, like like Dungeons and Dragons type person. 
and that's pretty much what this book is. But Rat Queens is still a, a must-own. So that recommendation came in from TJ Brown and also one of our former guests, Aramis. He was also on one of the shows before. He also recommended Rat Queens, so I wanted to get that out there. Angel, do you have? Uh, can you think of any other good feminist comic books out there? Right uh, the one that I was originally going to review, which was Pretty Deadly, is a Pre- good one. Pretty Deadly, also a Kelly Sue DeConnick book. Yeah. But uh, also one that I was thinking about more and more, which is one that I love and I am fully caught up on, is Saga. Yeah, that's another good... Saga is a far more feminist book than you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, it's, I don't know how much you would love it because it is very fantasy-esque. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've i read some of it, and I, I do enjoy it. But yeah, it's one of those things that's like, I want to read more of it, but it's, again, it's like, uh, it's not quite my cup of tea, but yeah, I, um, I enjoy it. And Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> People Whew. forget Buffy is a comic, too. Mm-hmm. It, it was a fantastic show. It was but a it's phenomenal show. An equally fantastic comic. Yes, it it was very good. And I am not very well-versed on the Buffy comic universe. Mm -hmm. I was a huge Buffy fan of the TV shows, but I never really read any of the comics. And I I think uh, Caitlin, who was on the show to do some of the X-Files stuff, she has finally taken the plunge into the Buffy universe. Uh, So I would not be surprised if one of these days we have a Buffy comic book edition of Librarians Assemble. Because she's super into Buffy right now, so... I can see her picking up some some graphic novels pretty soon. Uh, you know, another one I was thinking of that it's it's not written by women, but it's got a Kelly Sudokonic tie. Um, Sex Criminals by Matt Fraction and Chip yeah. Zdarsky. It's you know like it's not overtly feminist like some of the other ones. It's not like that's not the the plot of the story. Yeah, but it is it is a, a a comic that features a strong independent woman who is in a relationship with somebody solely because she actually likes that person. They're both equals in the relationship, and they both are very happy they found somebody with their special unique powers. She gets stuck time with her orgasm. Yes, and how do you? That you can't get a whole. That's lot more. a pretty powerful woman, but um, <laughs> but just the way he he introduces them. And how they interact with one another. Like, it's very... It's feminist in the sense that it's a very real portrayal of of people, you know? And, and women... I don't want to alarm anyone, but women are people. So... I had no idea. I know. I, I, I knew that was going to come as a surprise to you, Pop especially. Baby-making machine. Uh, well, let's, <laughs> you kind of are right now. No, um, no offense. None but, taken. But you are literally days away from... Yeah. that happening so godspeed to you there um <laughs> so that's another one i was thinking of there there are quite luckily we do live in a world where there are quite a few feminist comics tank girl tank girl one of the old school feminist comics yeah. you can't go wrong with tank girl i would also say speaking of batwoman i think the current run of batgirl and current run of black canary are great feminist comics yeah. They show women who, I mean, Bat, Batgirl's always been pretty, you know, especially in the past 10 years or so, has always been pretty, pretty, fem, you know, pretty empowered, but... Well, Mockingbird is a new one that's come out in the oh, last... I know, I want to read it, yeah. It's a good one, it's a yeah. good one. Yeah. And again, badass woman, you, mm-hmm. know, you know. I was going to say Alias, 
I was gonna say Alias, the thing, you know, the book that inspired Jessica Jones' TV mm-hmm. show, but my memory, if my memory serves correctly, there are quite a few times in the comic book where it's not quite as she's not quite as empowered as she is on the TV show. The TV show is m- much better as far as portraying her as a feminist, strong character mm-hmm. in charge of herself than I think the comic did in some parts. But overall, it's it's still a strong life in a lot of the comics yeah but overall i still think it's a strong strong book but yeah mockingbird is one i want to read too but yeah what i like about batgirl and black canary right now is that they're younger yeah they're like college age you know like early 20s and they're still empowered they're still in charge of their own life they're still also very frazzled by life well batgirl more than black canary but um you know, they, they deal with real-life stresses while at the same time being ass-kicking superheroes. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I really enjoy that. So, I, I'm sure I'm missing some. Can you think of any else before we get out of here? If not, if we've forgotten any, if you can think of any. Miss Marvel. Miss Mar- Oh, god damn. Miss Marvel. How did we forget Miss Marvel? Miss <laughs> Marvel and Captain Marvel. Um, Squirrel Girl. I don't know how I forgot Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl is a great feminist comic. Um, so, yeah, if, if we've missed anything, if you can think of anything out there and you want to share your favorite feminist comic books, you can reach the show. We're on Twitter. It's at Assemble Podcast. You can email the show at librariansassemble at gmail.com. And we're on Facebook. If you just search Librarians Assemble on Facebook, you can find us there as well. So share your recommendations or chastise us for taking so long to get to Miss Marvel and, and Captain Marvel. Um, okay, so before we go, Angel and I will probably be back in a couple weeks to talk about, we hinted a little foreshadowing earlier when we were talking about wrestling. We're yeah. going to talk about another Image comic series called Ringside, which is a comic book all about professional wrestling. Yeah. So we'll be back in two weeks to talk about that. So. If you haven't read it yet and you want to follow along, go ahead and read it now because Angel and I are not very good at not spoiling things, so (laughs) we will spoil it. We're basically going to read what will um, consist of Volume 1. The trade won't be out by then. Um, If I remember correctly, the the fifth issue or whatever the last issue is of this current arc will come out on the 23rd. And then I think it's taken a pretty long hiatus. It's going to go on a little break, so we're going to go ahead and review it after that little hiatus so we can talk about the first arc of of um, Ringside. So if you're a professional wrestling fan, come back because there's going to be a lot of professional wrestling talk as well as, as um, a review of that particular book. So, Angel, thank you for being on again. I appreciate you coming by. Thank you again. No problem, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.